There we go. That paragraph continues and it says this. It says, but God is actually refining and refocusing the church in more ways than we realize. He is alive and he's at work. Why? It turns out that the mission of the church has not changed, but our structures and methods have required to adapt. And Ephesians is a, a, church, a timeless church manual that we can use to rediscover and refocus ancient truths in modern times. And so this month, we've been looking at this Ephesians chapter 4 and looking again at this timeless text, and specifically some of the verses that uh, particularly give us an insight into what it means to be the church, both in the current era that we are in today and also for the future of the church, even beyond COVID. What is it that God has for us as we think beyond this current reality? So we've been talking about uh, the whole idea of unity. We've been talking about diversity. We've been talking about identity, uh, which is what we see in Ephesians 4. And today we want to talk about maturity and, and some of the things that lead us to and give evidence of maturity for the church. In verse 13 in chapter 4 of Ephesians, Paul says this, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So you see that phrase, it says, this will continue, and it begs the question, well, what will continue? And what Curtis and Eliana read earlier in the service, starting in verse 11, what it's meaning is that as the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers, and as, as those functions play out in the church, and as they find their way, and as people find their way into them with a whole variety of gifts, that the church continues to grow and mature, and people are equipped for the work of the ministry, and it leads to maturity, and that's what he's pointing us to. Maturity has many expressions. In verse 14, Paul goes on and he says, Then we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed, blown about by every wind of new teaching. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like truth. And so maturity gives us stability. It gives us the idea uh, and the understanding of what is truth, what is right thinking. And in our age today where we hear about news and fake news and that the fake news is fake news and we wonder, okay, where, where does truth actually lie? But maturity actually helps us to see what the truth is and we see that in the Word of God and how it is also developed by us speaking the truth in love that maturity is. And he says that in verse 15 as we continue reading. He says, instead we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ who is the head of his body, the church. Speaking the truth in love. I want to take a few moments to just speak the truth in love to us as a church. As we think about this current place that we're in, as we think about the reality of the church in 2020, uh, we all knew that this, uh, we know that this season of COVID has been a challenging time for so many people. It's been a challenging time uh, for all of us in terms of physical, mental, emotional health, in terms of our faith, in terms of how do we even think about or engage in the church. Um, one of the other challenges is, is that it's been actually a different experience for each one of us too. There's things that we all experience that are similar and the same, but then there's other things that are different for each one of us. And, and even we experience things differently in our own lives at different times. Uh, for some, I know that this has been a time that has been really hard financially. For others, I know that this has been a season that has taken its toll on your emotional health. For some, it's been a time of boredom and of loneliness and of just working through the exhaustion of that as well. 
For some people, it's been the most busy time of their lives and incredibly stressful. For others, it's been a time of peace and rest and just communion with God and actually having times of of rest uh, unlike other times. And so, for every person, there's been different experiences, and that's also part of the challenge, isn't it? Is that it's unique for each one of us. And we can feel alone even in what our experiences are because they're different from, from other people at times. But I want you to know that there is also incredible hope. There is incredible hope in this time. And again, you've heard this before, but it is so true. We will get through this. Because you know what? God is with us. God empowers us. God is leading us. Uh, Things will not always be this way. uh, History shows it and our faith knows it, that God is in control and that God is still at work. And we know that as you look over the course of history that there have been many times where people have been marked with many significant challenges and yet people are resilient and people are adapting. So even for us as a church, we continually adapt. And let me just list a few of the ways that we as a collective church are adapting. People are serving and caring and giving and living out their faith in remarkable ways. I hear story after story of people who are meeting the needs of others. People who are giving generously and sacrificially financially to help other people who are in need. People who are going above and beyond and caring for the vulnerable. People who are discipling their children in unique ways, people who are caring for aging parents, people who are stepping into areas of crisis and conflict with the hope and the truth of the gospel, people who are serving alongside of our local ministry partners. We're adapting in that we now have the capacity as a church to move all of our ministries online, and we have done so. And we're growing in our capacity and learning in how to develop community and do discipleship in those kinds of settings. We're adapting in terms of having multiple services in this ministry hub that we have here as we have had three, four, five, six services a week that have been meeting here at different times, many of them being live streamed. We have staff and volunteers who've developed incredible protocols to make gatherings in our buildings safe. We've adjusted our corporate worship gatherings in each of our sites. We continue to adapt our small group ministry to meet uh, the needs of people to develop leaders and to expand it. We've continued to connect with our global ministry partners, and in some ways, we've connected with our global ministry partners in ways that we've never done before, and it's been really encouraging. We're continuing to develop and clarify our local missions engagement. An example of that, even this week, Kevin had put in the, the weekly bulletin about opportunities with Meals on Wheels and the Salvation Army food hampers, and on and on. We have many opportunities to engage. Our engagement with the bridge has not diminished at all. In fact, we've helped them with a capital project through the month of October. In the weeks ahead, we're going to be highlighting our Advent giving projects as we enter into Advent, and we'll see further local opportunities to engage in local missions at each of our sites, plus helping our Waunan brothers and sisters who are in need in Panama, as well as giving and participating in the buckets of hope that we do with MCC. This afternoon and today we're going to be commissioning and sending out thousands of shoeboxes with Samaritan's Purse Operation Christmas Child. And so, so many of you have been involved in that. We're currently clarifying and expanding our understanding of of care and how we think about our model of care as a church in each of our sites. So these are just a few. These are some of the adaptations, the adjustments that we have made and we continue to make. 
And yet I really believe that the true innovation of the church is coming in the months and in the years ahead as God continues to challenge us. You know, Ephesians 4, this text that we're looking at in this month, is one that is definitely written to leaders in the church, but it's written way beyond leaders to the church. It's written to the whole body for each one of us that we would engage in understanding our gifts, serving in our gifts, growing in our gifts. But, but as you think about leaders for a minute, let me, let me speak the truth and love again a little bit about, about leaders. Leaders, as you know, and many of you lead in different capacities, leaders have many challenges. You know, even this past week as I was watching, I, I haven't uh, often, but this week I was watching the live stream of when uh, Premier Scott Moe and Dr. Shahab were giving the updates on what is happening within our province. And what was fascinating to me was watching the live comments right beside it that were going in full stream, and I could hardly keep up with them, but the comments and, and just the, the brutal comments and the critiques and the challenges that people were giving at the very same time, I thought, wow, there's what it looks like to be in leadership. Like, what a challenge for these guys. And we need to be praying for our leaders, our political leaders, our medical staff and leaders, our business leaders, our school leaders. Because, see, leaders don't have the luxury of just having opinions. They, they have to make real-life decisions that have real implications, and that's a challenge. And so let's continue to pray for our leaders. The same would be true for church leaders as well. There are days and times when we too as leaders feel the very same things. And thank you for your prayers. And last week somebody had submitted that prayer request, pray for our pastors, which I, I very much appreciate. Uh, church leaders have the same family issues, insecurities, challenges, aging parents, kids, and all those kinds of things that each one of us has. And so there's no doubt that the emotional health for so many of us is at a challenging point. And I think especially of small churches, even with solo pastors, who we need to just be praying for and supporting and encouraging. And one of the things as I think about the church is that we have lost, in some ways, some of the ability to kind of control the pace of change. It sort of overwhelmed us in some ways and kind of steamrolled us. And for those of us in leadership of the church, some of our own securities and our own kind of maybe false idols and comforts are being sort of unsettled and removed from us, and so we have to adjust more than maybe we would like to. And so that's just one of the very real things. And I know for some people, and I've heard from people, and they're just sort of waiting and so on, you know, we'll just wait until the church goes back to normal, this return to normal after the pandemic. But there's good news and bad news about that. First of all, the bad news is, is that it's never actually going to go back to the way it was before COVID. And the good news is, is that it's never going to go back to the way it was before COVID. Because God is always at work. God is always changing. God is always moving us forward. And just like the people of Egypt, our human tendency is often the people of Israel. We want to go back to Egypt and go back to what is familiar. But God continually calls us forward. And I was listening to a podcast recently with Tom Rainer and he was reflecting what many people have been talking about, and I would concur in saying that, you know what, this is more than an interruption when it comes to the church. This is actually more like a disruption, maybe similar to the Reformation that was 500 years ago. And as you look at the course of history, you see that 2020 in some ways is not unique. There have been many disruptions. There have been many times in the course of history that radical shifts and changes have happened in our culture and also in our churches and maybe in some ways we've just gotten too comfortable and we feel 
like we've been more able to be in control and now things seem out of control. And yet if our greatest oppression and restrictions is that we have to wear a mask or wash our hands or social distance or maybe even we can't gather and meet for a season, that we've actually got it remarkably good as we look back over the course of church history. So I really believe that that is the season that we are entering into as the church. Not in regards to COVID, but in regards to God revamping and changing us as the church. And it will take months and years, but God is at work, and God is doing new things all the time. So even for those of us who feel like, wow, we feel inadequate and maybe uncertain and maybe we do not, are not qualified, I mean, the truth is and the good news is is that we're in good company because that's exactly what the disciples felt like. As Jesus put together and he sent out these 11 disciples and he called them to this incredible mission and they had uncertainty, they felt unqualified, they felt like they didn't measure up, and it's like God put them in charge of the enterprise and said, here, take the good news of God to the nations and the families of the earth. So the church continues to, to move forward. The church continues by the power of the Holy Spirit to be the church. Jesus is alive. His Spirit is within us. His Spirit is among us. So as I think about this question, so what will the church look like beyond 2020? I can say with confidence that I know exactly what the healthy church will look like beyond 2020. We know that. We see that right here in the book of Ephesians. Right here in chapter 4, we see what the healthy, maturing church will look like beyond 2020, both in function in terms of our corporate uh, expression of the church and also in individual identities and the different things that make up these functions. And here's what the church will look like. The church will be marked with apostleship, with people who are involved in this function of being sent, of living as sent ones, following in the footsteps of Jesus who came as the sent one. The healthy, maturing church will, will follow in those footsteps and create opportunities for people in a whole range of giftedness to be involved in the sentness of the church, advancing God's kingdom. I know that the maturing church beyond 2020 will involve a prophetic function, that there will this be, and it'll be all kinds of people with all kinds of different giftedness who will bring that function and that truth and that, that gifting to the church. People like you who churn with this holy discontent, longing for something more, calling people back to holiness, calling people back to this new covenant of Jesus, to live with purity, to live with integrity, to live with truth. The maturing church will have that. The maturing future healthy church will have the function of evangelism and a whole variety of people who are involved in proclaiming this good news of Jesus and calling people to repentance and to follow in Jesus' footsteps. Following Jesus as the ultimate evangelist. The church beyond 2020 will have a shepherding function and a pastoral function where people care for one another where it's all about the people, and people will learn to mutually care for one another in different ways, in creative ways, developing and maintaining healthy communities. It's this divine ability to care and nurture people towards Jesus, following the one great shepherd, Jesus Christ. The future maturing healthy church will include a teaching function 
People who are all about the story, who understand and want to proclaim this incredible story of God and help people see how their story fits into God's story and, and how they can make the gospel relevant in very practical ways as people learn and understand deep wisdom and follow in Jesus, who is the one great teacher. So in summary, when we ask the question, well, what will the church look like? We know exactly what the healthy, maturing, future church will look like. It will have missional impact. It will have covenant faithfulness. It will have gospel proclamation. It will have reconciled community. It will have deep wisdom. And all of these functions will be in the church's identity, purpose, culture, and its mission. So these will be the structures and the functions of the church. Now, we don't know particularly what the structures will look like. We don't know what the programs will necessarily be, but we do know what the church will be about. I mean, we don't even know if we'll be meeting here together next week. We might be into a season of not being able to gather again, but the church doesn't exist being the church. And what Paul is saying in this text and what he's calling us to, that as we continue to be the church and use our gifts, and if we recognize that Jesus Christ is the ultimate example in each of these five areas, and that these are the core functions of the church that we go and mobilize in these ways, and that as we bring our gifts to this collective effort, the church continues to grow. One of the problems has been is that we've often limited the gifts of the Spirit to what happens in a building. And yet when everyone is involved in caring and in serving and in proclaiming and in being involved in the healthy body of Christ, we grow together in maturity and effectiveness. And in verse 15 and 16, Paul goes on and he makes this incredible statement. It says, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. He's talking about Jesus. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So lastly, the healthy, maturing church is a church that is marked with extravagant love. It's one of the greatest signs of maturity is a love that marks its people and that people can see the evidence of that. What's interesting is if you look at the four primary passages that talk about spiritual gifts in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4 that we're looking at today, 1 Peter 4, around each one of those where there's a list of gifts, there is either right before or right after or embedded within a text or a focus and an emphasis on love. Because it's this idea that even as we bring our gifts, as we be a gift, that that is the most important thing, that we actually love people extravagantly. And that is what the mature church is called to do. So I want to conclude with a, a bit of a unique prayer this week for us. It's part of my closing prayer. And somebody sent it to me this week, and I think it's a, a remarkable expression of love, and it's also a sign of maturity. And it's a prayer that was written by Reverend Richard Bodies, the moderator of the Presbyterian Church of Canada. Let me just read that prayer, and then I'll continue and close in prayer. Creator God, as I prepare, this is a prayer for putting on a face mask, first of all. It says, Creator God, as I prepare to go into the world, help me to see the sacramental nature of wearing of this cloth. Let it be a tangible and visible way of living love for my neighbors as I love myself. Christ Jesus, since my lips will be covered, uncover my heart 
that people would see my smile and the crinkles around my eyes. Since my voice may be muffled, help me to speak clearly, not only with my words, but with my actions. And Holy Spirit, as the elastic touches my ears, remind me to listen carefully and caringly to all those I meet. And may this simple piece of cloth be shield and banner, and may each breath that it holds be filled with your love. In your name and in that love, I pray. And so, Lord Jesus, I thank you for this prayer of maturity and this prayer of extravagant love. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us to be people who grow more and more into Christ's likeness. And even in these five areas that we see in this text, that, that Lord Jesus, that you are the ultimate expression of each one of those and that you call us to take our gifts and to contribute to each of these functions of the healthy, maturing church. God, would you mature us in whatever our structures are, whatever our programs are, through whatever limitations we have, that we would be the church seven days a week. So God, encourage each one here today. Help us to spur one another on to love and good deeds and to be this kind of church. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.